Well, it's Throwback Thursday for Locked On UCLA, and we have a special guest, a UCLA Hall of Famer. You can already guess what this means. Let's get ready to go with Locked On UCLA. You are Locked On UCLA, your daily podcast on the UCLA Bruins, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everybody. It's Zach Anderson, Yoxheimer. Thanks for joining Locked On UCLA. Thanks for making it your first listen each and every day. It's free wherever you get your podcasts, even available on YouTube. And today for Locked On UCLA, we are joined by a very special guest. It is Ed Kazarian, a member of the 2022 UCLA Athletics Hall of Fame, a longtime Bruin and still forever Bruin. Hello, Zach. Thanks for having me on Locked On. I'm fired up, and I appreciate you very much. Okay, so we're going to go right through it. Uh, not exactly a full opinion episode today, more of a going through your history, which you've probably told many times, but it's great to remember the arguably the greatest you know, UCLA head coach in an interim capacity ever, the towel waiver. If you guys missed the towel, that's what Ed, Ed was known for. And then UCLA appreciated you from your time as a coach, a player, and even into administration. So let's go back, as you told me, to a recruiting trip in 1972. What was it like getting recruited in the 70s, pre-before all the NIL stuff, and seeing the good old John Wooden days? Oh, it was exciting. I want to I wanna start, Zach, by saying in 1971, in the spring, Coach Jerry Long is the one who discovered me, so to speak, when he came by Reedley Junior College at the time in 1971. And so in 1972, I was on my recruiting trip to UCLA and I was in Poly Pavilion on a Saturday. Uh, Bruce Walton, the older brother of Bill Walton, was my host. And the place was electric. It was on fire. I was underneath one of the buckets and it was, I felt like I'm coming to UCLA after that experience. The the PA announcer would say no smoking on the concourse level and the crowd goes wild. We'd knock a pass out of bounds. The crowd would go wild. We'd make a layup and the crowd would go wild. It was electric and it was full. And we were coming off a 30-0 and season. Coach Wooden was on his way to another 30-0 and season in 1971-72. And I actually, during my eligibility in 72 and 73 in football, I never saw UCLA lose a basketball game. We went almost three years, Zach. You know, we had that 88-game win streak. We went almost three years before I saw UCLA lose a basketball game. So I was excited, and that was a great start, a great recruiting trip. And it it uh, turned out to be two great years of eligibility, playing in the wishbone offense at UCLA. So what was it like, you know, watching the transition go from playing as a Bruin and then getting into your coaching days? I know being in the seventies, you played in the wishbone, a part of a great era of UCLA athletics. And then you, you guys, you particularly were part of a new era being a UCLA coach after that. Yes. Um, my offensive line coach was a guy by the name of coach Terry Donahue. I think everybody's familiar 
with that name. Pepper Rogers was our head coach. The wishbone was our offense. We averaged 400 yards rushing per game. We averaged 42 points per game. We did some outstanding things. My senior year in 1973 going nine and two. And one of the things that I didn't realize that was so beneficial for me, Zach, was after I finished my eligibility in the spring of 1974, uh, Coach Dick Vermeil was the new head coach. And Coach Donnie, who asked Coach Vermeil, I believe, if I could come out and be a student coach and help coach during fundamental periods. And in the spring of 74, I think Coach Donahue got the idea and I was unselfish and willing to kind of uh, do some student coaching in 74. And that kind of led to, I believe me, after two years of trying to play professional football, getting on Coach Donahue's original staff in 1976 as a graduate assistant coach. And, and, then, I went on to, and then I went on to be a graduate assistant for two years. He encouraged me to leave UCLA to grow in the profession. I worked for Coach Dick Tomey at the University of Hawaii for four years, and then Coach Donahue hired me back in 1982 as a full-time or full-paid assistant coach. I mean, I guess it's not the worst place to be is going to Hawaii to coach, I believe, what, that four-year stretch? Did it feel, did it kind of hurt the soul a little bit to leave UCLA for a, a little mini stretch there to eventually come back? Or did it just feel nice being on the island as well? It felt natural to feel like after two years as a graduate assistant, you, you didn't pay your dues, but I felt like it was time for me to spread my wings. And Coach Donahue encouraged that. And so the opportunity, Dick Tomey was defensive coordinator in 1977, but then left a few months before the season to take the Hawaii job. I wasn't interested in going in 77, but I was ready after the 77 season to join Coach Tomey in Hawaii. And when I was in the World Football League, Zach, I had played several times, the Hawaiian Hawaiians. So I'd been over 2,500 miles away. And I'd been in Hawaii, and I was comfortable going there. And then Coach Donahue, fortunately for me, in 1982, I was able to come back and be an assistant coach for 11 years on, that, uh, uh, on his staff. As what was it like coach. being an assistant on his staff for those glorious 10 to 11 years, as you just described? Well, it was fantastic. I was in the right place at the right time. In 1982, uh, being able to go back and have one of the biggest comeback wins against the University of Michigan in Ann Arbor, and then beat them again in the 1983 Rose Bowl, beating Bo Schembechler twice in one season, that was pretty special. And then to win, you know, seven consecutive bowl games, five on New Year's Day, being the first coaching staff in NC2A history to win seven consecutive bowl games. That was exciting. Eight bowl wins in my 11 years as an assistant coach. And that was very, very rewarding. And then to be around such great assistant coaches like Homer Smith and Don Riley and Bobby Field and Tom Hayes and Greg Robinson and Ted Williams, the list goes on and on of great Bruins. And one thing, Zach, that was so neat. I don't think we had a coaching change for five years between 1982 and 83, 84, 85. It was really a staff that stuck together and we had great success. And I was very fortunate to be along the ride. 
That's pretty tough in the world of sports to find a staff that sticks together from almost just about every position, even from the quality assistant coaches to the strength and conditioning, just all the way to the assistant line coaches, all the way up to the head coach. So do you feel like that contributed to your success in that 11-year run winning all those bowl games? Oh, I think it did. I certainly do. Coach Donahue was a great head coach, and he was really diligent about uh, being thorough and proportional and and just and our the coaching staff you know our our families kind of grew up together it was at a time where being able to be together like that was wonderful and it did contribute to us kind of knowing each other you know it wasn't like a couple of new assistant coaches every year and that works too but I really felt like being together as a staff, having our families grow up together, you you really get close. And it was very rewarding to be a part of that. In a moment, I'm going to ask you about, one, your transition out of coaching. Of course, you have your greatest moment of coaching to come. And then who is your favorite player to coach? But we'll get to that in just a moment. As uh, you know, we got to tell you about Bet Online. Bet Online is your number one source for sports betting information, stats, news, and analysis. You can get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. They've got it for football, basketball, soccer. You know, is it called soccer? The World Cup, it's called soccer. Is that even a good chant? I don't even know if you can bet on it, but they've got it all with Bet Online. You love podcasting with the bet, getting your betting fix. Bet Online has that as well. They're the easiest and fastest way to get your betting fix. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. Bet Online, where the game starts where it starts and where we'll start this kind of second segment transition. Zach Anderson, Yoxheimer, you're listening or watching the locked on UCLA longtime Bruin 2022 cl- class hall of fame for UCLA. The two, yeah, whatever it is, I, you know, I get it, whatever class of 22 hall of famer right there, Ed Kazarian. And uh, for UCLA, you are a legendary Bruin, the towel waiver, even known maybe on the West Coast, as Coach K. I know maybe that name and that nickname has been shifted to someone else, but you are the real Coach K. As you were going to tell me before that break, what is who is your favorite athlete or athletes to coach during your assistant coach tenure before we transition into your administrative phase at UCLA? Well, I had a lot of great players to coach. You can't. Coach Wooden taught us all. You don't always win with talent, but you can't win without it. And I only was, I had transitioned in 1993 into academic and student services. In 1992, I was kind of wearing both hats. I was an assistant football coach, but learning the academic student service world. I had John Ogden, Zach, for one year, but what a terrific, he's one of the, he's one of the top offensive linemen of all time, you know, in the NFL. And one year with him, what a great self-sufficient student athlete. But back in the 80s, I think of having Duval Love. I think I having uh, Dave Richards. I think I having um, uh, uh, 1990 Frank Cornish, uh, Rob Cox. It just, the list goes on and on of real great ones. I was fortunate uh, on that seven game NC2A winning streak to have a guy by the name of Troy Aikman in 1987 and 98 an 88 BR quarterback and how kind of easy that was with Troy to go 10 and two back to back. But after all those years, 
I kind of was thinking about my family, thinking about my future, and I really always had an interest in the academic and student lives and lives after football with our student athletes. I was really involved in their academic lives as well as coaching them. And so it was kind of natural for me to feel comfortable moving into the administration and doing something like that. So I talked to Coach Donahue and over the course of three, four years, eventually Coach Donahue, and I'm forever grateful to Coach and his family, made it, made it an opportunity for me to transition from coaching on the field the coaching off the field and academic and student services. In 1993 is when I officially started. Did you feel like you missed the game or is it a nice, easy transition? Did it give you more family time in the administration or was it just of long nights dealing with the, the student athletes with the student athlete post-playing career type of job and shifting gears from assistant coach to a different type of grind? Zach, you asked a great question. Thanks for being so insightful. I talked to Coach Donahue after the 1998 season, uh, and just I didn't think it could get much better than that. What a what a successful run we had during the 80s, and Coach Donahue. There wasn't an opportunity in 1989, and so he eventually worked towards me moving into that position because he felt like. I could play a role and help the program. Um, I was so blessed and fortunate it didn't happen right away because I think I would have been frustrated. So I was coaching each year thinking it was my last for about four years. So by the time the position opened up, I was used to the idea. I was moving into academic and student services and administration, and I never looked back. And it was a blessing. What was it? What were your daily... What was the daily grind like? What did you have to do in order to help further the student-athlete? Because they are still student-athletes, even in this NIL day and age. Student-athletes, a lot of players, they don't go to play on to the highest professional ranks or even make money off of post-playing careers professionally. They can do it, but they might have to go shift into another gear. What was it like daily following up with these athletes when they're off the field and trying to transition to their postgraduate studies or even to their post-playing day career? Zach, good question. I, I just continue to work like a coach. Coaches have long hours and they put in a lot of time. So I was up at five o'clock, left the house at 5.15, would get to the weight room if that was what was going on at 6 a.m. that day, 10, 15 minutes early to make announcements and meet with student athletes. Then I'd shower up, be at my desk at 6.30, and then throughout the day, just be back and forth, up and down the hill, working with all the different departments here at UCLA, uh, with the university as well as the athletic department. So I just kind of put in the time. And um, the position, Zach, was relatively new. Coach Donahue only knew of one other person in the United States at one other school that had incorporated someone in a position like I was going to be doing for UCLA. And he felt like it had been successful there. And so I was, the way I understand it, the second person to ever take a coach and put him in academic and student services uh, in the United States in college football. And so I, I was able to have the power of a coach because I had coached for 11 years and as an assistant and enjoyed it and loved it. 
but I had the, you know, I had the power of a coach, but the job of an administrator. So it, it, it worked. The kids responded to me like a coach and that's what made it work. I mean, you think about it, you have that, that voice, as you mentioned, as a coach, and then you kind of get the kids still feel like they're on the field, right? When they're off the field, who, when you're in that administrative role, you already mentioned athletes you coached, who is someone, if you can maybe detail it, I don't know what you can or can't detail. Who is your favorite athlete to work with off the field when you're in that administrative role post football coaching days? Oh, there were so many, you know, to start mentioning them would be difficult. Uh, Donnie Edwards would be one that comes to mind, you know, enjoyed working with him there. There, there's something to um, having relationships with, imagine Zach, I was responsible for all the players at all the positions. I wasn't the offensive line coach and then working with the offensive line. I had the defensive line. I had the defensive backs. I had the specialists. I worked with the walk-ons. I worked with the entire team. And that's maybe what kind of established with the administration um, kind of a feeling like, hey, it's great to have Ed around because he's kind of that person we can go to to talk about any and all positions. He's the person on that staff that kind of has relationships with all the different players. And it worked out. It, it, it's evolved and it grew. And I remember walking into Coach Donahue's office real quick, Zach, and asking Coach Donahue about something that I had a concern about. And he looked at me, goes, Ed, that's why I hired you. You know, because I think at the time when I walked in, he didn't think it was that critical for me to be in his office about something like that. I said, I got a coach. And I left. And he, he kind of gave me, you know, he didn't micromanage me or anything like that with that position. And it just grew. And I think everybody as student athletes kind of felt like this guy, uh, like a Ryan niece, he kind of felt like, you know, Brian Wilmer and guys like that. They just felt like this guy's really cares about us off the field. Uh, like, uh, he did when he was on the field. We're talking with the former coach K the, still the coach K the real coach K Ed Kazarian, 2022 class UCLA hall of fame for UCLA athletics former assistant coach, former UCLA player, then administrator. And then we're going to get to the two maybe most important, I guess, well, I guess it depends. You have your favorite stories, but two biggest anecdotes that people might know you for. If you go to your Wikipedia page and uh, you know which questions are coming up as we're slowly wrapping up this Locked On UCLA episode. And for this, these two questions, one, because UCLA basketball is on the eve of playing Stanford, I know you're not going to get into that, but it seemed right, UCLA playing Stanford, and I believe it was a UCLA-Stanford game almost three decades ago, right, that kind of inspired that towel waving that you got known for as the UCLA towel waver. Take us through that story and what led to you becoming the famous towel waving Coach K. Well, what what happened, it was all by accident. 1993, imagine me in academic and student services. On Saturdays, I'm up in the stands. And then 1994, we started out with three wins, and then we lost J.J. Stokes. You can't win without talent, and for the next five weeks, we struggled, and we're three and five. We were headed to Arizona, and uh, there were some seats available on a plane, and Coach Donnie, who invited me, I went to Arizona, Tucson, the next, the pregame meal on Saturday, real quick, Zach, uh, 
Coach Donahue, I just went by to uh, wish him luck. He said, what are you doing? I said, well, I'm sitting in the sands like I've had the last year and a half. He goes, I got a sideline pass for you. Just don't get me a personal foul, you know, and kiddingly. So we're in Arizona. We play that game. And uh, the next week is Stanford. And coach said, you know, I liked you on the sidelines. I have a sideline pass for you again. Well, it's 31-30. There's just a few ticks left on the clock. And uh, Stanford's lined up. We're ahead, but they're lined up to kick a 38-yard field goal. And after the timeout to freeze the kicker, who had been eight for eight from 30 to 39 yards throughout the season, uh, a towel was thrown, you know, after the water and the towels, and it ended up on the hash. I go out to grab the towel to get it off the field, and the next thing you know, Coach K is running up and down the sidelines like a madman, getting the band, getting the alumni section, and everybody to cheer. Well, we missed Stanford missed the field goal. The Bruins win 31-30, and that's how the towel man started. Well, that's awesome, getting the towel waving, getting that going, getting excited. Did, did you realize that would be what you would do for the next 10 to 14 years, being the towel man on the sideline? Or you thought, ah, maybe it's a one-game stint? You know what? I didn't think of it as uh, a long-term type of uh, event. But the following week, we go to Arizona State and play in Tempe. And I was uh, I was able to go on the trip. I was down on the sideline. And... Uh, we are getting J.J. Stokes back. I think that was, <laughs> that might have had more to do with it than the towel, but we had a big win, big win, 59-24, something like that over ASU. Then we come back in the, in the final game of the year in 1994 and beat SC. Uh, and uh, so I end the 94 season with the towel 3-0. and and so it, it uh, and so I guess it just kind of stayed. But I'm glad JJ Stokes got healthy because uh, he played some against Arizona, and then he was uh, back to full speed his last three weeks in 1994 SC. That's a memorable, memorable. There's some memorable games, you know, with JJ Stokes in '92, '93, and '94 against SC. So anyway, I was just very fortunate. And that wasn't my role. I was, but Saturdays, I took Saturdays to support the kids. And I think the student athletes appreciated me caring, seeing how much I cared about football because the other six days, it was all about academic and student services. I think the athletes do appreciate the support both on the floor and off the floor. And I think people forget, hey, they, we need to care about them both on the court, right, or on the field or on the floor, wherever, whatever sport they're playing. And then off the court, off the field, whatever it is, they need that support too. It's kind of a, you know, just do, not a double-edged sword, but you need to support them in both areas, right? You support them on the field, go get the win, and then support them in the classroom too. Yeah, let me add to that because you brought up uh, a great point, Zach. Um, in recruiting, you make a lot of, you make a lot, not commitments, but you talk with families and parents and kind of tell them how you're going to take care of their son you know, and, and take care of the student athlete, you know, um, their education and all these important things, you know, which is what you're there for. Um, I felt like I wanted to fulfill those promises and take care of the student athletes we had in the program, because imagine the assistant coaches a year later going out and recruiting another 15, 20, 25 student athletes. So who's there? that take care of the ones that are already there. 
in their first, second, third, fourth year. And that's where I played a role and it was successful and, and it worked out well. And I, boy, 15 years of, of uh, working in the administration, very, very re rewarding, Zach. Very I mean, rewarding. I, I, I heard you say the word successful, worked well, rewarding. And I think those words all describe a very famous bowl win that you were at the helm of. Let, let's go to really wrap up this episode before we get to how you got into the Hall of Fame. You had the best winning percentage of any UCLA coach ever. You, you mentioned to me, what was it? The 2002 <laughs> Sega Sports Las Vegas Bowl. And this year's UCLA team could go back to the Las Vegas Bowl. It depends how everything shapes up throughout the weekend. No bowl terms yet, but the Las Vegas Bowl, sponsored by Sega Sports in 02, against the New Mexico Lobos out of the Mountain West. Then you guys in the Pac-10. Take me through what it was like to go through that, what, you said two-and-a-half-week process and then getting the win, what, the Gatorade bath too? What was it like? Well, it was, it was, uh, it was a difficult time. I'm going to be honest with you. Um, anytime you make a coaching change, and we hadn't had one at UCLA in, you know, almost four decades, I want to say, Zach. Don't hold me to, you know, the exact when I talk, but – we hadn't had a coaching change and, and uh, there was one made in December on December 8th. And then the game was on Christmas day. So imagine it being a difficult time. I had been out of coaching 10 years, but the circumstances kind of dictated after about a week or, uh, or so in late November, early December, if they were going to make a coaching change, who would it be? It was recommended that maybe for two and a half weeks with my background, all my 32 years of being a Bruin in some way, shape or form from my student athlete days to coaching to administration, I could maybe hold down the fort. So I was asked to uh, step up and, uh, be the interim head coach for those two and a half weeks. And what I really tried to do was work the pyramid of success. Coach Wooden gave that great gift to all of us. And I used the pyramid of success, my experience having coached for a long time and just ministered to the players and the assistant coaches in the entire program. And we were able to come out on Christmas day, you know, successful. And, uh, we had 14 seniors, They re and the rest of the team was proud of our seniors. The leadership was there, and we were, frankly, Zach, maybe a little bit better than New Mexico talent-wise. They were good on offense and very good on defense and, and solid in the special teams, but we were really good on defense and the special teams, solid on offense. And so we won the turnover battle, you know, and, and it just worked out. I was very fortunate. And uh, we got ourselves a win, and everybody has fun saying, I have the highest winning percentage in UCLA history as a head coach. You guys won that 20. Yeah, 1 0, 27 13. You guys were actually trailing at the end of the first quarter, tied at six after two. Then you guys led 13 to six heading into the fourth and outscored the Lobos by a score of 14 to seven in the fourth to win by a final of 27 to 13. And Quickly, um, tell me what was it? What was the biggest mistake you made on the sidelines? A lot of people like to say, "Oh, coaching," and it comes to time management. What was one thing you 
were good at that you knew you can handle on the sidelines. And if you can remember, what's one mistake you're like, well, it's one game. I, I'm glad I didn't have to do that again. You know what? Uh, I'm going to think about that while I, I mention Zach, that Coach Donahue was general manager of the San Francisco 49ers at the time. And he took the time to call the executive assistant, Jolie Oliver, who's a, been a fantastic executive assistant for football for a number of UCLA head coaches and had such a great career. Coach Donahue calls Jolie Oliver and gives to her exactly what I need to do on game day to be a successful game day manager because coach knew I couldn't delegate that. And so, you know, just leave the officials alone. Um, make sure you condition the players, you know, leading up to the game enough. And uh, just uh, use of timeouts, aesthetically pleasing with people getting on and off the field. Don't try to be too, too smart in things that you do and put in too much new stuff. Anyway, he was fantastic, Zach. And so I just tried to use his game day management advice. And I'm trying to think where I may have made a mistake. We were careful on offense. We won the turnover battle three to one. And we let our defense and special teams kind of carry the day. And, you know, Jared Page had an interception for a touchdown. And then we were opportunistic on offense. And you know what? We had a fourth and one and we needed a timeout. And we were calling it. We were trying to call timeout. Yet we ran the play and we were fortunate. Tyler Ebell jumped over the pile and scored on fourth and one. So like I said, sometimes you're more lucky than good. So um, anyway, I can't think of any one thing right now. I know I'm disappointed, not disappointed, but I'm, 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 they tried to give me a Gatorade bath and Steve Morgan was a defensive lineman for us. And I think as he was trying to throw Gatorade on me a couple of minutes before the end of the game, he slipped and fell and injured his knee. And I've always felt bad about that. So that was one bad thing on the sidelines. I I did not. You'd never know. You never hear about Gatorade bath injuries. You see people jump on each other when they <laughs> celebrate goals like in the World Cup. You see people celebrate and you wonder, do more people slip and fall? And do, are there, you know, the, the not top 10 of, you know, celebrations? But, I, I, you know, hopefully he was OK after that. He was OK. He's gone on. I think Steve Morgan is coaching. He's back in Texas, I believe. And uh, anyway, I don't know why I brought that up, but that was probably a, a mishap on the sidelines that I, I wish didn't happen. But one thing we're glad that happens. Take me through the day where you got the call, the when you were informed you're going into the Hall of Fame. Or what was it like being honored on the field during the Hall of Fame weekends? Well. That was, you know, I can't even begin to uh, wrap my head around the fact that I'm in the UCLA Athletic Hall of Fame. It's special. And uh, I got in in the category of extraordinary service, Zach. And that, that category was put in about 10 years ago. It's, I believe, I hope I'm accurate when I'm saying all this, that it's a position that is uh, someone's considered for once every five years. So I, be, I was the third person 
in that extraordinary service category that developed back uh, 10 years ago. And I am, I am, I think there's maybe 336 of us. And I know my place is number 336, but I am so proud. I mean, come on, Garrett Cole and Ed Kazarian or Coach K, you know, Patrick Cantley, what he is doing professionally in the world of golf, and Ed Kazarian. I mean, just Sean Foster. What a, what a, what a, what a, talk about a warrior. I hear Coach Kelly talk about warriors and, and DTR and Deshaun Foster, Ed Kazarian. Oh, I'm, I'm just thrilled to be a part of it. I am just thrilled. It was, it was fantastic. You can imagine my family turned out. I had so much support from cousins and relatives and family. It was really, really special for Kay and I and our, our three children and, and six grandchildren and our extended family. Really special. Thank you for asking, Zach. Well, thanks for, for jumping on the episode today. Coach K, Ed, uh, Cousin Eddie. Cuddy, uh, Ed, there you Ed go, Cuz. Yeah, we, we are cousins. That's the last minute. That's the last second episode. Spoiler alert there. As, yes. uh, you know, with this Locked On UCLA episode, thanks for joining on and taking us through the journey of your career as a, from a player to a coach, leaving for a little bit, Winning as a, a bowl head coach, the winningest percentage in UCLA coaching history, the towel waving, seeing Pauley Pavilion back in the days when it was rocking, the undefeated Bruins, and go. then, you know, the towel waving, and then eventually UCLA class of 22 Hall of Famer with some pretty good Bruins. Number one oh. in our hearts, though, is you. Yeah, but Don Harper Nelson, I mean, it goes on and on. Uh, you know, Kelly Inouye Perez, who's still going strong, and Dave Saunders and a couple of other, uh, Linda and Ole, they, the class, I was just so fortunate to be a part of it. And one last thing, Zach, in 2005, you talk about Stanford, you brought it up. Great job. Tore my rotator cuff up at Stanford. So that's how much I, <laughs> I was invested in being the town man. We're down 27 to 6. It's a cool night up in Palo Alto, and then the Bruins, with about eight minutes left, decide to come roaring back. And I wasn't warmed up. My my towel was around my neck most of the night, but then all of a sudden I got excited, probably a little too excited. So I'll end with that because we're taking on Stanford, and that's another quick towel Stanford story. That is very awesome. Very, But they got the win. That's important. They got, they got the, the win. They got the win. We came back and won in overtime. Down That's 27 to six with eight minutes left, and we win in overtime. That's the way that's to do it. That's kind of hey, a Chip I, Kelly performance right there. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's the that's wow. the way. If you if you uh if it hurt, it it wasn't going to hurt after that win, at least for a couple minutes. That's yeah, the way to do it. Exactly. As we end every episode with Locked On UCLA, we get your hands up for that eight clap. We'll try and get it in the camera. Go check out Locked On Sports today. Make that your second listen. Thanks for making Locked On UCLA your first listen. We'll try and do our best uh, eight clap. We hold the L, right? We hold the L. You know, you yes, said sir. back today, we, we, you guys didn't used to hold the L. We're going to hold the L today. And uh, we'll try and do this on the same count. You can right? tell I'm ready to go, Zach. All right. One, two, three. Let's go. One, One two, two, three, three four, four, five, six, five, seven, six, seven eight, eight. You. You. See. See. You see LA. LA fight, 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 fight. Yes. Woo! That's how we do it. A little off, Thank you, you know, off screen there because uh, the, the video, as you know, TV video screens, it can be off. But thanks for joining. And I believe we might have you on in the future again pretty soon, right? 
thank you, Zach. I would appreciate that if you feel like uh, this, I'm locked. Hey, if I'm qualified to be locked on for your program, I'm locked on. Oh, you are locked on. You are a Hall of Famer through and through. You'll be seeing a little bit more of Ed Kazarian, Coach K, the towel waver, best UCLA coach in history with the winning percentage and uh, just the greatest. Thank you, Ed, and thanks for joining the show. Um, we'll, we'll see you soon. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you, Zach. So that was uh, Ed Kazarian joining the show for this special edition of Locked On UCLA. A little bit longer than we usually like to post, but today we we made an exception. And we'll get into some nitty-gritty details with UCLA football and athletics with Ed, with his administrative background moving forward, right? When you talk about the likes of the move to the Big Ten, how does that hurt the student-athletes? How does it help? We'll have his opinion on other episodes coming up. We'll talk to him in the next coming weeks, bowl games, Las Vegas Bowl, what's it like? We'll get to all those things when we have them on the podcast next. In the meantime, thanks for tuning in to Locked On UCLA. Go Bruins!